It was like three weeks worth of news packed into like three hours. It was just incredible. CatsCorner.com podcast, CatsCorner.com, your source of Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, June the 2nd, the craziest month of my life. No, not really of my life, but maybe, maybe the craziest month of my tenure as the publisher of CatsCorner.com has arrived. Uh, Virginia is going to have a boatload of official visitors. They're going to have a slew of unofficial visitors. Um, this is going to happen on both the football and basketball sides. Um, so it's going to be a a pretty interesting month. And on top of that, the Cavalier baseball team is in the, um, NCAA tournament. Cavaliers head down to, uh, I guess they're technically already there at this point are in uh, Columbia this weekend for the Columbia regional, um, which we will discuss in depth tonight. Um, gave, uh, Dave and Ferber the week off and, uh, brought back, uh, Damon Dillman back on the show to uh, talk about the baseball team and the the group that he has just just done an incredible job covering all season long. Damon, welcome back to the pod. How are you, my friend? I am doing great. How about yourself? Not too bad. I uh, I got to be honest. I, I, I there was a moment uh, Monday where I was kind of kicking myself for the fact that we don't actually cover lacrosse because um, now it seems like the last two. You know, my, my last two, well, not last two Memorial Days, but two of the last three at least, um, I, you know, I've, I've spent my, my day watching UVA lacrosse and that stuff's all kinds of fun. But you know what? Watching your, you know, your coverage of the baseball team and certainly the, the ride that they've been on the last, what, month and a half or so, um, it's been it's been really interesting. And, and uh, you know, looking at sort of the big picture of, of where things are, uh, it makes a busy time even busier um, that we're, you know, we're covering baseball and, and doing it this year. Um, first off, Damon, give the people your Twitter handle real quick before I, at, my brain at breaks. At Damon Dillman. At Damon Dillman. And then Cavs Corner, also on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. I have a, I'm a very process-oriented dude, and if, if I don't check the boxes, Damon, my brain explodes. Um, all right, so Cavaliers get back to the ACC tournament. They go down they went down to charlotte basically as i felt you know like they were no longer even in the discussion for being you know sort of on the bubble it seemed like they were solidly in and then of course the work that they did in charlotte um solidified that um it's an interesting regional uh for a variety of reasons most notably as you pointed out on twitter the other day man the last time you know you had a situation you know where the team lost in Charlotte and then had to go to Columbia. Good thing <laughs> happened uh, for that Virginia team that eventually down the road in the NCAA tournament. Um, let's just take a step back though. How different do you think the team is today going into the NCAA tournament than they were at the start of the season? We talked a little bit about this, you know, about sort of the evolution and what got better and what changed. But from a confidence standpoint, they're obviously on just a completely different level, regardless of what happened. 
um, you know, at the in the semifinals on Saturday, uh, uh, you know, before they lost to the eventual ACC champion. But in general, what's different about this team now, and how much confidence does that give you about where they're going and, and how they look, how they'll look once they get there? I think I think there are probably two things that I would point to. Number one, as a unit, as a group, they're just more seasoned. We talked, we've talked all season long about how these are veteran guys who obviously COVID last year. So it allowed so many of these guys to come back. It's unprecedented how much experience they brought back. But the reality is, as we've talked about plenty of times too, is that these guys hadn't won a lot of big games in their career prior to this season and down the stretch of the regular season. And then what they did in Charlotte, they have learned how to, how to win those big games, how to win some of those big games, winning those series down the stretch, getting that sweep against Wake Forest taking two out of three out of against just about everybody else on the schedule the last two months of the season. And then what they did against Tech and Notre Dame in pool play last week, it, it, it's a team that knows how to win now, or at the very least has a much better idea of what it's going to take. Now, regional's a little different, but they can lean on a coaching staff that certainly knows how to get the job done in a regional as they figure these things out. And then the other thing, I think, the biggest thing, the biggest development throughout, especially the last month or so of this season is just Andrew Abbott has just taken his game to a completely different level. He's like, he's an all American guy. You can make an argument that he was the, the ACC pitcher of the year. We're not, he's not just five and zero oh in his last five starts. He's got an ERA of what is it? 0.76. I think it is. He hasn't given up an earned run in more than a month. I mean, he's a guy who he's one of those fourth year guys in this program who came here expecting to have a lot more team success than they did in his first couple of years. And he's one of those guys who the only reason he's back right now is because of COVID. If it were a normal 2020 season, he would have been drafted after his junior year and he'd be pitching in pro baseball right now. But he just he has he, just the tone he sets, not just he, he absolutely sets the tone for every weekend on the mound. The way he goes out and he has just been dominant this last month plus these last five starts, you go back and he just sets a tone for the entire weekend and it rubs off. You can see the way it rubs off on the guys in the lineup because they're playing with confidence. They're putting up, they put up the 14 runs against Notre Dame last week in Charlotte. They put up 17 runs against Wake. They put up 18 runs against Virginia Tech, all in Abbott starts when at the beginning of the year they were only averaging like two runs a start for him, but you can just, he just, like I said, it's, it's the tone he sets on the mound and it's just kind of the attitude that, that sort of, he seems to be the source of the foundation of that has kind of permeated this entire team now that we, we're just going to do this. We're going to win these games. We're going to find a way to put ourselves into this position that we hadn't been able to previously. And now, now here they are and, and, and we'll see, We'll see how it kind of shakes out from this point moving forward. But, I mean, I'm sure Abbott, it's not official yet, but I would be stunned if it's not Abbott on the mound Friday afternoon against South Carolina. And, again, it's an opportunity to, for him to set the tone and, and, and lay the foundation for what they hope is a successful weekend. Yeah. Justin, uh, it's so weird when I call him Justin. Ferber and I used to joke sometimes that uh, during Jack Salt's um, redshirt season, we used to joke that uh, what we, we would love to see is like Tony just walk out there and throw Jack Salt in the game. Cause you know, at that point and not that, not that fans are any less, you know, excited to have Tony, especially today of all days uh, as their head coach. 
But we used to joke like that was really when Tony would flex his muscle. Like, you know what? I dare people to get mad at me. I'm going to play Jack Salt for one game <laughs> of his of his uh, retro season. I, if Oak throws anybody on on <laughs> Friday other than Abbott, I mean, I can't. I mean, maybe you could make an argument for like why it would make some sense. But I agree with you. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't make a lot of well, sense to me. You know, if if they went with anybody else, un- unless there was some sort of injury or something. You know what I mean? Like it. It, well, it has to be Abbott. It has to be. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. In previous years. It's just given the circumstances. They're, they're the three seed, right? They they need to get off to one and zero start. It's so important to get off to one and zero start in these regionals. Uh, you do not want to put yourself in that hole of the losers bracket, and having to climb your way out of it. But, but I mean, there have been in previous years, like in 2014, like years when they're the one seed here at home and they're a national seed. When the, like in 2014, they started Artie Lewicki on the. Uh, for the regional opener in 2016, they started Alec Bettinger at home. as the one seed in the, uh, in the regional opener because they, they think it's a favorable matchup to then give in 2016, it was Connor Jones in 2014. It was Kirby. You give those guys an extra day of rest and you have your ACE, your number one starter waiting after a one and zero start to get to two and O, which again is just absolutely pivotal in these regional weekends. So, but the circumstances are different this week. You're the three seed. You're playing South Carolina. And I mean, they're especially unique this 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 year because because not only is South Carolina the two seed, but they're also the host. So right. you're essentially, you know, you're 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 gonna be literally the road team as the three seed on Friday. And and you just you do not want to get off to that um that 0-1 start. So Ab- Abbott's the only option. He's on full rest, he's on normal rest. Uh, because if you think about it. If you start one and zero and you get to two and zero, you have to play. You have to win one more game. You have to win three games if you start out two and zero. If you, if you lose either of those first two, you have to win four. That's four games in five days. That's so taxing on your pitching staff. And and if you lose the first one, then you're facing elimination every step of the way. Uh, no, I'm sorry. What did I say? Did I say four games in five days? I meant five games in four days. But uh, which is even worse. Uh, that's, that's actually worse. Yeah. And you're facing elimination uh, every step along the way, because if you lose Friday, then you're in an elimination game Saturday. You win that one. You're in an elimination game Sunday morning. Uh, and if you win that one, then you're playing the team that's two and zero on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. And again, facing elimination. And if you do win that one, then you're coming back for that fifth game in four days. Uh, you have to beat that same team that started two and zero twice, so it's just it's it's a it's a hard road, man. And one and zero and even two and zero are just just critical. So you can't you can't outthink any of this stuff, and, and they're not going to outthink this. It'll be Abbott on Friday. Yeah, the uh, the three dimensional chess of it all, right? Like the whoa, <laughs> yeah. Well, what if we didn't throw Abbott at all? You know, like uh, my dad. My dad likes to joke that my dad, when you know he was younger and actually before I was born. He and a friend of his did a lot of coaching, baseball coaching in my hometown, and and he would he would joke on this um, on his friend that you know because we would go to UVA games and stuff, and he would joke on him. He's like, "Yep, you still got that timeout in your pocket," um, <laughs> you know. Or so, and there was this other one about so and so still had X number of innings to pitch at some tournament. It's you know in South Boston once or whatever. Um, which is <laughs> you know, now that I don't remember all the details, is a great thing to bring up on a podcast. Things, speaking of things that are actually great to bring on a podcast, uh, you wrote an incredible story, I thought, on the on the Geloff brothers. And I, I texted you because you mentioned Abbott, you know, the fact that, like, basically, had last year not happened, he wouldn't be there right now, right? Like, he would have, um, you know, he'd be, you know, somewhere um, making some sort of money, right? Yeah. Um, 
And and I texted you the other day after the Gallo story because I'm like, okay, he's a junior, he's a freshman. Why, you know, I think that the, the intricacies and the dynamics of sort of the way the draft impacts baseball uh, and and the roster sort of uh, management of it all. Um, it's kind of fascinating to me as somebody who doesn't, you know, doesn't cover it day in and day out and doesn't live it and breathe it. Um, but what I, where I'm going with this is this is a team that, that, that in some ways it resembles a lot of other teams that you're going to see in this sort of post COVID area era, right? Where you have guys who are kind of taking advantage of the extra time that sort of the situation allotted them and teams that are therefore stacked in some ways. Like you think about Virginia's offensive line, right? Because yeah. of the extra year, there are a bunch of dudes on that line that shouldn't be there anymore, right? But think about like how much more maturity and time help an offensive lineman to become even better at what he does, especially when you have another year in the system. I look at this baseball team and I see a handful of these guys who probably wouldn't be there. Um, you know, you have guys who who didn't maybe expect to have the roles that they end up having, the depth overall that the team has. It, it is kind of the perfect. I don't want to call it like a bounce back season for them, but in some ways, because they're now back in the tournament, it sort of has. It's kind of set things right. Um, you know, to use a lost reference because Damon and I are both um, lost nerds. You know, it's it's kind of putting the <laughs> wheel back where it's supposed to be. Um, and I'm curious to get your point of view on this. As they look to the tournament, your story about the way that they approach this, like they're excited to, to have basically kind of had mission accomplished to get there, but they're also not satisfied. That's a very interesting line to walk, like to be both excited that you're there and also kind of like not in any way, shape or form done. And I think that's one of those things as humans, we understand, right? Like we all follow sports and we think of sports as being like this live or die thing, but they're all humans, right? They're humans who play these games. And it's natural for you to be like, to, to bust your butt, to get someplace and then to be like, to exhale. How do you make sure that you don't exhale? I think that's the challenge that a lot of athletes face, especially in situations like this, where you worked your tail off to get there, you're there. Now, what are you going to do with it? I thought the way Oak framed it the other day was perfect. What are your, what's your your sort of read on this team as they go in there. Cause listen, confidence is a hell of a drug, but it can only take you, but so far, right? Like there's also the part of it where you have to, you have to really prepare and you have to be mindful of preparation. You can't just expect it because you've been able to win so much lately that you're just going to keep winning. Right. As you, as you look to this regional and we'll get to the to preview in a minute, but in, in just in generalities, like in, in general, how, how confident are you in the way that they're playing and sort of the, the type of success that you kind of think they might have this weekend. All right. I'm going to give you a two part answer to that one. I think part, the first part is I think you have to keep in mind that as we talked about the veterans on this team, the seniors, the guys who've been here a long time, this is all new for them. This is a new experience for them making it to an NCAA tournament. However, when those guys committed they were committing to a program where this wasn't just the expectation. This was the standard. This was, this was like these guys, Zach Gelop, you talked about the Gelop brother story. I learned talking to him and his, his family the other last week that he first decided he wanted to play baseball at UVA because he was out in Omaha for a travel baseball tournament when he was in eighth grade, got to see a couple of college world series games, got to see UVA play a couple of times. And that was the program he identified with. So from that point on, that's where he wanted to play college baseball. Kyle Teal, I think we've talked about this before, too. Um, when he was in he was in middle school, I think because he's even younger than these guys, he cut his hand and went to the emergency room to get stitches. And 
the College World Series same year, 2014. They were playing Vandy in the College World Series finals, and he cut his hand. He's sitting there getting stitches. He looks up at the TV and sees UVA in the College World Series finals. And for whatever reason, that's what resonated with him. And he wanted to play for this program. So I understand your point that they exhausted a lot of energy just to get to this point. But this, this is kind of what they expected to be doing all along. These are guys who've been waiting three, four years to be in this spot. And they're not going to get it. A lot of them aren't going to get another opportunity at this. Like a lot of these guys are, like we said, only back because of COVID. Zach Eloff's going to get drafted as a junior. A lot of these guys are either going to exhaust their eligibility or, or they're going to get drafted and they're going to move on to pro baseball. So this is, this is their opportunity to make their mark in this program, which is, which is what they came here to do. And like Oak said it best, that they're, they're part of the reason why they haven't been, been here to this point. They just didn't play up to the expectations of the program the last couple of years, but they've been able to do that. And now here they are. So I, I see a bunch of guys who are motivated by not wanting to to squander this opportunity because it is a long time coming and they won't get it again for a lot of them. But and then the second part of my answer would be this. And this I found interesting because, uh, I, I, as you know, I, I spent the last week or so tracking down a bunch of guys from the 2015 team um, to get their perspective on, you know, everybody's making the comparison between the way this team turned it around and the way that 2015 team turned it around and wound up eventually winning the national championship. So I, I talked to a bunch of those guys from 2015 to get their thoughts on it. And one of the things they all said, one of the things that they all pointed to, they said they were, they were in the same, the circumstances, the details are different, but the circumstances are, are essentially the same that both teams in 2015 and this year, at some point it came earlier for this year's team. It came in early April for this year's team. It was a little later in the season back in 2015, but at some point they all hit that point where they had exhausted any margin for error. It was gone. And they just had to win baseball games or they were done. And ultimately it's, it, I know it's a cliche, but they were playing postseason baseball. This, this year's team has been playing postseason baseball since, since the first weekend in April. If they don't go down and win that series at Georgia tech and essentially every series thereafter, they're probably not in this position right now, but those guys from the 2015 team talked about how playing under those conditions for that extended stretch of time, for whatever reason, it loosened them up. It, it didn't tighten them up. It loosened them up. They, they got used to playing under, under those, under that do or die kind of approach. They, they got, they got used to it and it loosened them up and, and they started just having fun and they got used to, like the comparison somebody made, I think it was Alec Bettinger made was, you know, there's those teams that go undefeated through the regular season or in baseball only lose like maybe a half dozen, 10 games during the regular season. And then they get into the NCAA tournament and they struggle because they haven't faced adversity at all through the season. Whereas UVA in 2015 or UVA this year, there was a lot of adversity earlier in the year and they figured out how to manage that work through it. And, and now they have that experience going into the tournament. And so that it worked for them, obviously, in 2015. I, 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 I don't see why it couldn't work for this year's team. They've been riding this wave for two months now. So, so I think those, those to me are the two, the two, it's a long answer to your question, but those to me are the reasons why I think, I think this year's team, yeah, they expended a lot of energy to get here, but at the end of the day, they are still, I know it's one of those great cliches, but they're playing their best baseball at the right time. 
I know they lost to Duke on Saturday, but everybody's been losing to Duke for a while now. And so I, I, I it's a hard regional and I know we're going to get into that, but you can't, you, you have to put UVA right there. Uh, I think any of the top three teams, it's a very level field between those top three teams this weekend and UVA is right there with those other two. When you, uh, when you look around the greater college baseball um, atmosphere, right? When you look around at the various folks who, who cover college baseball nationally, right? Um, a bunch of them point to UVA as being the sort of sleeper team that they think could get to Omaha. And obviously in order to do that, um, <laughs> being the drama fiends that they are, they, you know, I'm sure that don't make it interesting, but um, regardless of, of the, the, what, what comes down the road in order to get there, they obviously got to win this weekend. Let's talk about Columbia. Um, it looks to me like a, it, it just feels, even if you, if you just took the names off the jerseys and you only looked at the data, Right, it just feels like a regional where a team who 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 has some sort of, um, you know, some buzz beyond what their um, what their um, seeding, what their what their ranking, so to speak, might imply. Right, that that it, it just feels like the kind of regional where a team like that finds a way. Um, tell me about this regional and why. Um, one, what 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 do you feel like Virginia's chances are? And what are the what's the biggest hurdle? Is it the host? Is it ODU? Like what's what's when you look at this thing, how do you think it shapes up? I just think, like I said before, I just think it's a really level. I think the top three teams are all pretty evenly matched for for all three of them have really good bullpens for one thing, and I think that goes back to what we were talking about before is that just across college baseball, teams are deeper, and the bullpen is a place where where that depth really can be accentuated because of the COVID year, because of all the guys who are back that wouldn't normally be back under normal circumstance. Just looking at UVA's bullpen, like shock would not be back this year. Kyle Witten probably would not be back. He probably would have been drafted and he'd be gone uh, after last year. Bales, if Bales had continued to pitch for a full season, like he was last year, and then he took it to another level this year, I don't think he'd be back. But I think, yeah, I think those three teams all, all have, deep bullpens for starters but then old dominion old dominion's the uh the one seed but they're not the host they didn't put in the host they didn't bid the host and then the the whole hosting mechanisms are a little a little unique this year because of uh covid but uh that's how we wound up with the two seed being the host in this regional but but odu said the other day uh is probably having the best season in program history and UVA didn't get to see them during the regular season because the the one game they had scheduled up here got rained out and they weren't able to reschedule it because Conference USA uh, played four game conference uh, four game conference weekends and so that made it really difficult for Old Dominion to find another spot in in their schedule down the stretch to reschedule the UVA game. Plus, all the conferences had COVID regulations and things like that too. So. Long story short, yeah, UVA didn't get to see this ODU team that they, they they lead the country in home runs. They have 101 home runs as a team this year in I think it's like 55, 56 games. So I mean, you do the math; they they just they hit home runs at a crazy pace. Um, I don't know how many people who listen to your podcast are Charlottesville Tom Sox fans, but one of the best players on on, uh, on ODU is an outfielder named Kyle Battle who's a fifth year senior who he wasn't on the Tom Sox championship team in 2019, 
here's how old he is. He was on the Tom Sox championship team in 2017. Uh, so I don't know if that, that name rings a bell to anybody, but he, he leads them in home runs. I think he's got 18 on the year. They've got every, everybody at this point has at least one good starter. The thing that usually is a separator in these, in these regionals is who has two, three, four good starters. And, and that's kind of the, that's kind of what separates everybody. You'll see a lot of times that, you know, a four seed will have a really good Friday starter or a three seed might have a good Friday starter and get off to one and no start, but then they just run out of gas because they just don't have the depth, but it's UVA. Obviously that'll be key for UVA is not just starting Abbott, but they need Mike Vassell to be the guy he was at the beginning of the year. They need Mike Vassell to be the guy who was going out and throwing quality starts. He was the best pitcher. He was one of the best pitchers in the ACC for the first month, month and a half of the season. Now he looked, he looked like he was back to himself at Boston College, and then last week against Duke in the semifinals, he he pitched well. He just he left a couple of balls up, and when you're as hot as Duke is, you're not going to miss on those mistakes. And they hit those mistakes out of the ballpark. Hit a couple of solo home runs off him, but. Um, be, yeah, UVA needs him to be reliable as as their second starter. And then what's interesting, the other thing that came out of Charlotte last week was Messenger. Zach Messenger pitched so well against Virginia Tech, pitched into the sixth inning, took a took a shutout into the sixth inning. He'd been a guy who'd made a couple of midweek starts for them, pitched primarily out of the bullpen. But you need four starters at this time of the year. And if Messenger and Savino can be those guys Savino has pitched he looks really good against Duke out of the bullpen on Saturday, those last couple of innings. And he's a guy who's been giving them quality starts down the stretch. So that to me, that to me is one spot that can separate UVA. I know South Carolina is an SEC team, but they've, they've had some issues with their pitching staff there. They UVA, we talked about how things really got going when, when Abbott asserted himself as their Friday guy, USC, South Carolina hasn't been able to find a Friday guy for a lot of the season. They wound up down the stretch the last couple of starts, their last regular season start in that SEC tournament. Uh, they took their closer, Brett Carey. This would be like if UVA two years ago had taken Abbott out of the bullpen in in the middle of May and started using him as their Friday starter. That's basically what uh, what South Carolina has done. And he's pitched well. He pitched a complete game, pitched a shutout against Kentucky, and then uh, pitched seven innings in the uh, the SEC tournament against Tennessee. But but he he's their Friday guy, and then they have so they they don't have quite the depth, at least on paper, that UVA does in the starting pitching rotation, and that to me is a potential separator in a regional weekend because if a lot of the other if a lot of the other sort of check marks are equal, bullpens are equal, lineups are kind of similar. I think. I think a strong starting pitching rotation is what might be able to separate UV. And, and I should also mention, you can't sleep on Jacksonville. I know their record, you look at it, they're 16 and 32, I think it is. They only won four games in the Atlantic Sun during the regular season, but then they got hot at the right time and won the Atlantic Sun tournament. They beat, they beat Liberty twice in that tournament to get the automatic bid. And I mean, UVA split with Liberty during the regular season, so you can't sleep on Jacksonville, even if their record isn't isn't very impressive at all because they're playing good baseball at the right time so it's it's going to be the little things that that make the difference and if i were like i've mentioned if i were going to point at one thing and i was going to say this is where i give uva the edge and this could be the difference maker this weekend i'd say it's uva starting pitching especially if all four of those guys go out and pitch the way they're capable of 
I've been impressed with the way, even through the run that they made. I mean, I guess you you sort of have to have a little bit of luck. I mean, you, you can you can point to a handful of things that happened along the way that probably should have derailed them, and they were able to sort of get through it. Um, I think the bats coming alive and and guys being able to sort of step in when earlier in the season that just wasn't happening. Um, you know, because we talked in the preseason about this team and. You know, we ran some stuff, and and it certainly felt like then that man. You look at some of these guys that were coming back and sort of where they had been, you know, previously, and some of that just didn't happen right off the um, right out of the gate, right? Like they 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 really struggled in a variety of ways as we as we've talked yeah. about. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so, sort of being where they are as a team, both um, you know, not just the arms on the mound, but also to the bats. I, I kind of feel like as I look around um, college baseball, and you you pointed to you know sort of what's you know the the sort of power that's in this regional itself but as a look around college baseball you you either can be and I guess it's a lot like um offense and defense right in college basketball you can either be really good at one really good at the other or you got to be really solid in both and I feel like UVA is a team that can lean on both ends of that spectrum at times um they might not bash the ball the way you know a handful of these teams in the tournament do but they still do a pretty good job, and I mean, like you, you know, I know you've pointed this out that when basically when they give Abbott like any runs at all, um, you know, they're gonna win. Um, yeah, that tends to be the the way it goes. In terms of um, sort of where they are at the plate, um, who who do you feel like's in a really good groove right now, uh, and and what are you kind of thinking you'll see when when you get to Columbia? Uh well, I mean, ever since they moved Zach Geloff into the leadoff spot, which coincidentally was that Georgia tech weekend where this all kind of started rolling. He's just, been, he's been really productive in that leadoff spot. Oak, Oak has made a couple of moves throughout the course of the season with the lineup that, that, that have paid off. That was, that was a big one. And then Nick Kent had been the leadoff guy, but he was scuffling for a while. He, he went from leadoff down to the two spot and then eventually to six. And now he's back up to five. He was hitting in the five hole the last couple of games in Charlotte last week, but he's a guy who, He's he he he's been hitting some big home runs for them down the stretch. He's always capable of still stealing some. He was hitting under 200 after after the Louisville series for the season, but yet he still leads the team in RBI. He he's got he's got six or seven home runs now. He's that's a move that has paid off. Bump, they didn't pull him out of the lineup. He still played every day, but they bumped him down in the lineup. Maybe took a little bit of the pressure off him hitting in the middle of the lineup, and he's been a lot more productive since they made that move. And then. Uh, anytime you talk about the lineup, I think you have to talk about Kyle Teal. I think Kyle Teal, what Kyle Teal has added to this lineup since he's been in there every day, it's 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 exactly what they needed when they moved him into the lineup. And he was such a highly regarded freshman, and he he has lived up to the hype. I, if you look at strictly from a numbers perspective, his numbers are very similar to Paven Smith's in 2015 for that College World Series team. He's just had. He's at a similar. He leads the team in batting average, leads the team in on base, leads the team in slugging percentage, leads the team in home runs, second on the team in RBI, or maybe third on the team in RBI. I'm sorry, behind Kent and Geloff. But he's just he's 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 what they needed in the middle of that lineup, and he's another guy who I talked about kind of the tone uh, that the kid that uh, Abbott sets. Teal's another one of those guys who just plays with so much energy, plays with so much emotion loses his helmet on every swing of the bat it seems like ernie clement was joking around that they need to get him get him a helmet that fits and i'm sure he's not the only one who's made that joke joke this season but it's a popular topic 
when you're watching them on TV with the, with the commentators too. But Kyle Teal brings a threat in the middle of that lineup um, that, that they were lacking. He, he's a definite power threat. Some of these other guys are power threats, but Kyle Guy has eight home runs. And some of those other guys have fed off of having him in the lineup. And then Jake Gelloff, Zach's younger brother, he's been in the lineup at first base for the last month now ever since Devin Ortiz hurt his shoulder and had to uh, had to come off the field and, and stick to designated hitter. And Jake Ellis, another one of those high-energy guys, another guy who plays with emotion, wears his heart on his sleeve. He's gotten some big extra base hits for them. He homered against Notre Dame last week in the ACC tournament. So it's definitely it's definitely a more complete – I can't – I almost forgot Alex Tappan hit home runs in back-to-back games – down in Charlotte as well. He was one of those guys who you were talking about at the beginning of the year. We had such high expectations for this lineup. Tappen's a guy who wasn't as productive at the beginning of the year. Mark LeBrew hasn't had the year they thought he would have. Chris Newell hasn't had the year a lot of people expected from him, especially co-freshman of the year nationally last year in that 18-game season. And he's, But he's still, he's gotten some big hits for them. He's driven in some big runs for them in key spots. So it's 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 a deep lineup, and it's guys who have con- come through for them more consistently. Max Codier, I think I've listed everybody in the lineup, but Codier had some big hits for him at, at BC. So it's it could be anybody, one through nine, on any given day, which is kind of what you want to be as a lineup that the uh, the opposing pitching staff has to be concerned about, one through right. nine. That's that that's what you want to do to them. You mentioned Newell, and I, I remember you know some of our preseason pieces and talking about sort of where he was, and that, that's exactly the, the sort of situation that I you know was thinking about when I asked that question a minute ago, right? Like there are dudes in this lineup who are in a really good spot in a groove that have worked their way there, and then there are some other guys who you know Virginia was obviously expecting more from that just didn't has not happened. But that's not to say that these guys who have put it out there before can't you know, catch fire a little bit. Um, you know, that's the way these, you know, these things typically tend to happen, right? It's like out of nowhere, you know, something, some, some sort of spark, um, catches and, and you're off and running. Um, last and thing Newell bef- too, sorry, but New- no, Newell too. Another, another important thing about Newell is, yeah, he hasn't had the year they wanted at the plate, but he impacts them. He's so good in center field, man. Like he's just so smooth and he can, he runs balls down. He, I remember it was the Louisville series. He robbed somebody yeah. of a home yeah. run, like reaching over the fence in center field. He's he impacts the game in other ways, even if he's not as productive at the plate as he and they expected he would right. be right. at the beginning of the year. So, and and that that's that that's equally important. Oak talks a lot about how good this team is defensively, and that's that's a key part of all this as well. All right. So, last thing, Damon is is uh, well. I, I was about to say Damon's going to be on his way to Columbia soon. Um, as you listen to this, he might actually already be on his way to Columbia. Um, he's going to cover it um, in person. Um, for those who have been around the the UVA beat long enough, Andrew Ransbacker, former uh, beat writer at the uh, Daily Progress, now lives in Columbia. Um, obviously, um, a guy who, who Damon um, got to know well during his time in Charlottesville, and they are really good friends. So I, I think... Um, I think there was a, a text earlier about asking you which type of snacks you like. I mean, Brands is really rolling out the red carpet, it sounds like. But you're getting to cover something in person for the first time in I don't know how many months. Um, what's your how excited are you? You you nervous at all? Uh, what's your what's your where your where are your feelings at right now as you get ready to, to leave? 
I don't know if it's hit like yeah, I don't know if it's hit me yet, to be honest with you. I think it'll probably hit me when I get when I get to the ballpark, especially since they're playing South Carolina in that first game. That crowd, I'm sure, is gonna be energized and it's gonna be an environment that yeah, I haven't been in in a long time. And it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting experience. Ramsbacker and I were joking today that that uh it's we're trying to it's it's a chance to run it back one last time because he's going to be covering some games this weekend as well and uh so i'm trying the last time he and i both covered a uva game together would have been the 2017 season uh when um yeah 2017 that was his last baseball season before he moved to south carolina so it'll be fun i'm really looking forward to it it'll be fun to be back in a crowd again it'll be fun to watch baseball at that level again, watch UVA back on that stage again for the first time since that 2017 postseason too. So it's, I, I think, I think it will set in for me when I first walk into the stadium and, and that crowd is there and the players are getting ready to go and, and just that kind of electricity before the first game, first game of a regional. It's I, I, I don't think I'm trying to think, I don't think I've ever been to an sec baseball stadium. That's, I know talking to parents, UVA baseball parents and some other people, they're really excited just to experience the players are excited too to experience baseball in an SEC ballpark. It's just a different environment. It's a different level of electricity in the stands. And so it should be a lot of fun. And I'm really looking forward to it. And and uh hopefully we all get get the chance to make the most of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um and the and the and the baseball stadium is like not too far away um from um from where where they play football right it's not it's not terribly far right i from what i was down there in march for ramsbacker's wedding and i remember driving back driving past both the football stadium and baseball stadium so they're in the general vicinity yeah there was no game there was no baseball being played that weekend they were on the road that weekend but um it looks like a really nice facility as you'd expect from an sec program so, but yeah, I'm pretty sure they're in the same neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, too, the way like I there was it. a, I feel like there was a baseball stadium near where we parked when we, we covered UVA basketball down there. Um, but I'm not entirely sure what, like what part of my memory makes any sense. If that, if that can, if that translates for, I, uh, for you and yeah, I listeners. walked from, I walked from my hotel that weekend. Now, so see, I parked, uh, we, we stayed, <laughs> uh, we, we stayed at like, probably the of all of the places that i have uh found a room uh at um in my in my in the course of my travels with the, in this job that was probably the cds joint um that was probably the one oh. that like I, i'm lucky that some of my stuff didn't get stolen or whatever whatever oh. um but no anyway so not to not i don't i don't mean to put a damper on your trip because obviously <laughs> you know i think <laughs> well, your I'm stuff's gonna be fine at ranch packers um, yeah, I don't but, know if his dog will eat my underwear, but beyond that. <laughs> but no, man, I'm really, I'm really excited for you to get to to go down there and uh, and cover it in person. I know that um, you know that's going to be a lot of fun for you, and um, you know it's it's obviously um, you know it, it, it you know when they win, it's almost it's so much more fun, right? Because then you're um, one, you're writing stuff that people are are interested in. Um, cause I can tell you, like, I don't spend a, a minute on gamers when they lose cause nobody cares, right? Like nobody reads that. Um, oh, but, yeah, absolutely. But it's one of those things too. It's like, you know, there's, there's, there's just a, there's a, there's an excitement that happens when, the, when a team gets a run going and certainly, you know, the loss to Duke, I mean, obviously it, 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 it takes a little bit of the wind out of the sails just because 
you know, they didn't win the ACC tournament and then, you know, you know, storm into the um, NCAAs. But realistically, like, you know, when you when you get close to it and you can kind of, you know, be there for it, it's it's a lot of fun. And Damon and I have uh, in our times covering UVA have have always been um, we like to be places. Damon and I, you know, as we've joked before about the, you know, leaving South Carolina, leaving Columbia in the middle of the night or whatever to get back to Charlottesville for the first spring practice the next day. Uh, that that year and uh i mean realistically we were the only two people who did that um we've joked about it maybe not being the most advisable thing we've ever done but i mean (laughs) you know i just i just love the fact that you're going to be there and uh, i'm really excited to see you know what happens and and that kind of thing so um uh, i'm really i'm really excited that you're you're getting to do it and uh yeah well, well i guess we'll we'll wait and see how it all sort of unfolds um but i think that's a uh a good place to put a pin in it for this week um I want to thank uh, everybody out there for continuing to support the podcast. If you are somebody who's found the show through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. And if you don't mind, you can look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. We should be there. And if we're not, please let me know. Now, if you're somebody who's found the pod, you haven't given us a look at the website, check us out at CavsCorner.com. Um, Damon has, you know, been, like I said before, been crushing it on the baseball front. Um, you know, he's got a story up on the Geloff brothers. He's got a story up on making the postseason. Um, we'll have some more stuff from um, tomorrow's availability. And um, he's got that story on the 2015 guys that, that's coming, plus obviously coverage from Columbia. Um, on the football recruiting front, as I mentioned earlier, like this is a crazy month. Um, you know, three-star offensive lineman Ryan Bear talked about uh, his upcoming visit to uh, Virginia. Um, you know, Kyler Gibson, a four-star offensive lineman, is coming soon. Bo Atkinson, a four-star defensive end, is talking about coming soon. Um, in Friday's War Room, I ran basically sort of laid out the map um, for what the what the month looks like on the official visit front, and then we'll get into each week uh, as as they arrive. So you can give us give us a look at all those links that are in your podcast app of choice or in the content item for this show. I also want to thank my perfect franchise and Andy Ludicky for uh, their support of CavsCorner.com and obviously of the show. Um, for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you, check out myperfectfranchise.net um, or you can check out the link that is in your podcast app of choice right now. All right. So, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Damon for giving us graciously of his time this evening before he gets ready to head on the road and, uh, and cover UVA baseball again. Um, so thank you to you. So for Damon Dillman, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.